As you can tell, there's a little bit of a uniqueness in the atmosphere today. There's a little bit of a, there's been some planning and preparation for what's going to happen. The 10:30 service today, our Kidmen service. We appreciate the understanding that we had to go ahead and get ourselves ready and make ourselves ready for that event. It would have been pretty hard to take a half hour and get ready for that. So uh, just, just, just enjoy the decor and the decorations today uh, here as we get into the Word of God. But I'll go ahead and throw this out. And uh, Anybody who'd like to still stay for the 1030 Kids Ministry Service, please feel free to do so. We won't kick anybody out. And there's going to be ice cream afterwards, soft serve ice cream. So feel free if you'd like to come and be part of that service to do so. We've got some great things planned. We know you will enjoy it. How many, how, how many have a profession where, now I, I haven't been, but this coming week, I'm, I think I'm going to get recalibrated and back into order, but how many of you have a job that actually, due to the pandemic, they do ask that you wear a mask on your job? How many of you have? Okay, we've got several. In my generation, in the generation-wise, we have something. We have something called Yo Mama Jokes. Anybody ever heard Yo Mama Jokes? I read a Yo Mama Joke that was just flat out hilarious on Facebook. It said, Yo Mama's so ugly we had to have a pandemic and a tanked economy to get her to wear a mask. <laughs> so there we go. We, we were even able to bring in Yo Mama Jokes in on the pandemic. I pray that God's given you strength through this. I know that some of us, we've really had to stretch our faith. We've had to stretch our believing. We've had to trust God through this, through this time of turbulence. And we continue to thank you for coming and attending during the, the 9 a.m. service. Things are unique, but something I read in the Bible is God does really good things in unique times, in unique situations. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. God does awesome things when, when people are in unique times and unique situations. So, hey, take it as an opportunity to get a hold of God and seek him. Say, God, what do you want me to do? What would you have me to do in these unique times? Amen. Very quickly, would you go with me into the Gospel of Matthew? I'm going to start at chapter 5 and begin at verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, uh, starting at verse 13. I'm going to go through verse 16 this morning, guys, as a text this morning. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and tramped, trampled underfoot by men. 
You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to read verse 16 one more time. It says, Let your light so shine before men that you may see that they, excuse me, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. One more time. Anybody remember Kendon Alexander, that evangelist? He'd read his text about 30 times. So I won't go that many, but I want to read it one more time. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Father, I pray this morning that you would use me as I preach the word of God. Your word is already alive. Your word is already anointed. It's already powerful. So I ask you, God, that you would use your messenger to preach the word of God with boldness, clarity, and passion. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Somebody say amen this morning. Amen. Amen to the word of God. I tell you what, there is there is kind of a, a there, there's another pandemic that's happening besides a virus. Is that we have had a culture for many years that has been one of debate. We've known how to debate. We have known how to debate. And in fact, um, I remember sitting in speech class many years ago in college and there was uh, talk afterwards and there was a class where I had, there was an argument break out in the class and the professor said, hey, this is, this is a good thing because this is what debating is. It's, it's taking sides, this side speaks, this side reflects. And I went on to take debate class to understand that there is a, um, there, there's a concept that you have to listen to the other side in order for there to be a debate. You understand that? there? You have to listen to the other side for there to be a debate. Now, there's something that has sadly shifted. There's something that has sadly shifted is our debate culture has gone from a sense, a platform of discussion into a platform of combativeness. We, there, there's been this, this culture, this combative culture culture that that has been created and so much so I think that it is sad I can honestly tell you that I have never declared either party that I loathe the president of the United States of America let me can, can I clarify something real quick real quick the word of God speaks against anybody loathing leadership but gives the order and commandment to pray for leadership here in a couple of months, we're going to uh, we're going to elect a president, and something could happen. We may very well see our guy not be the one who is elected into office. Guess what? We're going to pray. We're going to believe because God can still move, no matter who president of the United States is. As I heard Dr. Tony Evans say a few years ago to a hall full of preachers, he said, "I want to tell you guys something. We were on the cusp of the 20." 2016 election. He says, I want to tell you guys something. God is not going to pass the church house and do his work in the White House. His work. God did not build the United States government. God built the church, and it is through the church that his work is going to happen. 
but there's this sense of combativeness with, with, with our nature. We've become such a people of debate that one person says one thing and not in a listening, honest debate way, we kind of create, we've created this mindset that no, we've just got to hack the other person down and act as though they have no point, they have no thought, they have no thinking, they have no reasoning. And it just seems to be that world. You've got one end of the spectrum and then you have the other end of the spectrum. And uh, I, I am so ready for something, church. I'm ready for something to, to rise up. And, and I'm not being spiritual when I say this. I, I'm, I'm ready for a movement of extreme faith people. I'm ready for extreme faith people to, to step out of here, follow me for just a second. I'm ready for, I, I'm waiting for it. I'm going to see it on the news. It's going to happen. That people are going to go from extreme faith of snake handling into doorknob licking. Okay? I believe what is going to happen is that there's going to be extreme faith rise up in, in the midst of what we're facing as a nation or, frankly, as a world. And people, are, we're going to go from extreme faith, this little mountain churches are going to rise up and, and, and become doorknob lickers as opposed to snake handlers. You ever had a moment where you've been in Walmart and you told somebody where you go to church? We believe in unity at Rodney Pike Church of God, but we've all been there. You tell somebody where they go to church and they just envision you holding a big old python. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? You know, and you have that little conversation and you know they're whispering behind you when they walk away. I'm waiting for those conversations to start happening where you talk to certain people and then you walk away and you hear one tell the other, you know, Hank, I think he's one of those, you know, doorknob lickers. So we, we need to pray for him and pray that uh, God would touch his heart but, but see, the, the extreme faith, things have shifted as a culture. Things have shifted so much to where it's such a combative nature in culture. So much, so much com com combat. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The combat that has a tendency to rise up. And now things have shifted from debate into an argumentative culture. People use extreme language now, such as hate and loathe and despise and and now there has been this shifting of this this breaking away from just a debate and a disagreement into this combative nature now in the midst of this in the midst of this in the midst of this there's something that has caused that's maybe been a little bit of a problem within the church is the fact that maybe lights have began to grow just a little dim and I believe it wholeheartedly that the church that is going to see a true move of God with souls saved, with souls impacted, with life changed, with people delivered and with people saved is the church that truly learns how to let their light shine for Jesus Christ. A church that kind of sets aside cultural norms. A church that says, okay, I'm not going to buy into the combat. I'm not going to buy into the extreme argumenting. My purpose is not to state that I'm right. My purpose is to state that he is right and that he changes lives, he saves, and that he delivers. There's another culture that I believe the church that is going to experience revival is the church that has a revelation of forgiveness. 
a church that has a realization of the power of forgiveness guess what we're going to disagree there are political views I have you're not going to agree with and you're going to have views that I'm not going to agree with but I believe there's a fight the church is getting ready to fight it's fighting for the power of unity and declaring that we are a church that is mightier when we unify our light is to shine and our light does not shine when we are discombobulated and disunified amen there's power in unity there's power understanding we've got disagreement we've got things we may not agree with our light doesn't shine when we lack unity but Jesus was making a declaration here on the Sermon on the Mount he says you are the salt you are the light and he's saying, he's saying, I want to tell you that when the light is truly shining, it cannot be hidden. It can't be stopped. It can't be stifled. It can't be masked. It can't be masked. You know, there's something about masks. We may have to wear them, but we still got the light of Jesus Christ that is shining through us, that is coming through us, that's making an impact upon others. His light must shine. Praise God. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. It can't be stopped. It can't be stifled. Go with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34, beginning at verse 29, says this. It says, Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of testimony were in Moses' hands, hand when he came down from the mountain. Then Moses did not know that he did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. When Moses saw them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them, Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak with the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, mm. that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would veil on his face until he went in to speak with him. Note the spelling right there, capital H. I am. Light has a tendency to do something. It has a recognizable power. 
light also scientifically cannot be overtaken by darkness. Light cannot ever be defeated by darkness. If we had every single light turned off in this sanctuary and I had one simple Christmas tree light bulb in my hand, everybody in this room would be able to see that little Christmas tree light bulb because light cannot be overtaken by darkness. Now how does one obtain the light? The word of God says that Moses, when God was revealing himself to him, that he had no idea that his face began to take on this quality of having a glow. God revealed himself to Moses and what happened was his faith began his face began to glow. This was right after the happening that pastor preached on a few Wednesday nights ago where Moses had asked the Lord saying, "Lord, reveal thy glory." And then we know the story and the happening where God hides Moses into the cleft of the rock and he says, "I'll cover you with my hand as I begin to pass by." See there something when God's people begin to make a connection with him and he reveals things to them. We can't help it but to have his glow coming up out of us. And see, there's something about Moses covering up his face. It's that we are in a culture where we have at times no choice but to be behind a mask. But see, there was something powerful about the covering of Moses' face. Was that though his face was being covered, the people knew that the light was still there. The people knew. See, Moses could maybe cover up uh, he could maybe cover up the thing that kind of spooked the people a little bit uh, and what they were uncomfortable with. Uh, but you know something? The people knew uh, that the light uh, was still coming up out of Moses. And God had revealed himself to Moses in this way and in this form. You tell me right now in this kind of culture, how do I break this subculture? How do I make people come to the understanding of Jesus Christ? You let God reveal himself to you, then God's going to reveal himself through you because you've allowed him to speak to you. But there's another step about where we're at. See, we're not like the children of Moses. We're not under the old covenant. We are under the new covenant. See, and it was a revelation to Moses that made the glory shine through him and made this light shine through him. Let me tell you something, church. God does not just want us to have an encounter with him. He desires to fill us with his spirit and with his Holy Ghost. When a church is filled and a church is prayed, see, the world can try to say, hey, I can't look at that. Kind of like the children of Israel. I can't look at that. I don't want to look at that. Don't tell me your truth. I can't look at that. I'm scared of that. I'm scared. Don't let me see that. I don't want to see, I don't want your truth. I don't want your reality. I don't want you to tell you that my behavior and my actions are sin. 
I don't want you to look at me and tell me that no uh, tolerance is not always the best. I don't want you to look at me and tell me that uh, and see why the, the enemy likes to make us think that we can't function without the mask and without the covering. Let me tell you something, honey. Don't get combative. Don't get in deep arguments because the Holy Ghost is good at his job. The Holy Ghost is good at his job. You yield yourself to him. I know I'm getting a little too excited, but you yield yourself to him you you yield yourself he'll speak through you and he will gap he will bridge all the gaps between you and the lies and the deceptions of the enemy that have creeped into the minds of people Hallelujah. it closes us off and it thinking hey see the light was not covered up because the intention of the power of that light was revealed to Moses. When people stand in the gap on behalf, mm, see what matters is when we walk in power and when we walk in might, the enemy, though it may be through a mask, though it may be through a veiling, a covering, still has to admit the power is there. The enemy still has to admit the fact that the power is there. And we can try to hide the lights, but we can't stop the power. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Light overcomes, see light, light overcomes the powers of darkness and wickedness, even into such a place. See, there's something about the lie of, of the enemy, and he wants to cover things up. Here's a way he has covered things up. He has put the mindset and the mentality that the church is a closed-minded people. Okay? It's a closed-minded people. Now, if you sit back and you, and, and you think about this marking of being a closed-minded people, I kind of thought, you, you ever just sit and think sometimes? You ever find yourself, can I have a, a, a nod from you? You ever just sit and think sometimes? Sometimes our thinking can get us into trouble. We, we think maybe just a little too much. But do you ever just think? Yeah, I was just thinking the other day about this, this whole marking of the closed-mindedness of, of the church that the world tries to put on us. But then again, I, I, look at, I look at the world's mindset and the perspective of the world. There's something happening, Autumn. There's something happening. The world wants to look at a young man or a young woman, and just because they have a certain demeanor about them, we mark them homosexual. You ever notice that? Nowadays, if a girl is any kind of a tomboy or a boy has any kind of a softer side or affectionate side to him, he's marked as being, he, he is immediately put into the encapsulation of being homosexual. He or she. The world's psychology wants to look at somebody 
who has been bound up in addiction and say, though you are not using substance, you will always be an addict. The world's mindset and in the way they even want the government to be set up is stating that because somebody is born poor, therefore they will not be able to come out of being poor. So therefore anybody who has maybe worked hard for their things that they have, we need to strip some of that way and kind of quote unquote share the wealth a little bit. See, they put this encapsulation on things. In all honesty, the world is so much more close-minded than the church. And then I take a minute here for a second, Roger, and I think about the Jesus that I serve. I read about the fact that I serve a Jesus who put mud in the eyes of a blind man and used that to heal him. I'm reminded of the fact that I serve a Jesus who was ostracized and criticized for the fact that he ate with tax collectors and he partied with tax collectors. I'm reminded of the fact that I have a Savior who stood at a tomb and broke the laws of cleansing and said remove the stone and he called out and with the authority of his voice Lazarus rose from the dead do you see what's happening here guys is you read in the word of God Jesus had a tendency to step on religious toes you know why because Jesus was an out of the box thinker Jesus was one who says I'm not going to keep anybody encapsulated inside of a box you look at the word of God and you'll realize some it's the devil that's close-minded because the devil says once I gotcha I gotcha but Jesus says no there's freedom and deliverance in my name there's power and healing in my name see the world wants us to come into such a place that when somebody is sick therefore we should give them the right to take their own life that's because the devil is close-minded because he knows Jesus looks at any broke, busted, disgusted situation and sees an opportunity for new life. Hallelujah. It's the world that's the closed-mindedness. It's closed off from things, shut off from things. I don't want to see that. I don't want to flow with that. But let me tell you about the children of Israel. They had no right, but they had to follow the authority that God had revealed to Moses. The power behind the mask still prevailed. Hallelujah. Who is that masked man? Who is that masked man? Glory to God. Who is that masked man? See, Jesus, I meant to end my little rant right there was that, yes, Jesus is the only way. But let me tell you something. He provides many an opportunity for those to enter into the door. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You ain't closed-minded. You're not closed-minded. See, you're not, you're, you're not hiding behind anything. The power behind what looks to be hidden is still being revealed. We may find ourselves for next time we have an outreach or something in town, we, we may find ourselves having to wear masks for it because we're the church. We're not called to be argumentative. We're called to be connective. 
I'm going to remind you of that come November 4th. We're not called to debate. We're called to shine our lights. And when the church is so caught up in politics and thinks that the president is the end, has the final say-so, that's when we lose ground. That's when lives die is when the church begins to lose focus. But see, the season's now to reclaim that focus. See, because there may be those times where we do, as Moses had experienced, had to cover his face. But there will be the times where we get with God and the covering comes off. That's why these times right now, for us to have those times where the mask does come off, the covering comes off in front of God are imperative. They're imperative right now, saints, to get a hold of God because he wants to give us a power that pushes beyond the mask. And I know the Bible doesn't say mask. I know it's veil. And I'm, I may be being a little sacrilegious this morning calling Moses' face covering a mask and not a veil. But there's great power with what's happening. If you would stand to your feet with me today, saints. It's funny, I kind of find myself. I was getting ready for this morning. I was getting ready for this morning and I, and, and I find myself it, it, into this. I, I told myself, I, I, I'll be trained. I, I give myself pep talks, okay? I, I like list off my things that I, I need to do while I'm like standing looking in the mirror fixing my hair. And and I told myself, okay, Micah, okay, We're, it's, it's, it's a new season. If you, if you have known me the past 20 years that I've been preaching, 22, you, you know, I'm either like, when it comes to preaching, I used to hear people preach and they'd be so laid back and I, swore, I, I said, I'll never preach like that. I, I, I'm like the guy, you, you, you got to go hard or got to go home, okay? And I told myself, I said, this is the 9 o'clock, you know, it's it's a little earlier in the morning, so I was like, I'm, I'm going to make sure I don't get too overwhelming because, you know, I'm a tall, big guy, and I've got a big, booming voice, and what's funny about me is that a lot of, many toddlers are scared of me when they first beat me because I'm so tall. I'm so loud because it's overwhelming. It could be overwhelming. And there's something different. There's I have a different quality, a unique quality, believe it or not. I am a morning person. I like mornings. I function well in them. But I told myself, I said, okay, I'm going to be understanding of the fact that people are being walking in unity and understanding the season we're in they're coming to the nine o'clock service i'm not going to be too overwhelming in the nine o'clock service but that didn't happen I, I still got passionate i still got loud because people have a mechanism inside of them that when they believe in something they got to shout it out if you believe in something, you got to shout it out. 
Come on. But there's something about the season that we're in right now is that the effectiveness may have to come without the shout. It may have to come without the big exclamations. But I want to encourage you. The effectiveness will come. We're not at a time where the message of Jesus Christ is to be backburnered and paused. We're at a time like never before where the message of salvation must be preached. The gospel must be spread. Right. Why did I say all that? I said all that to tell you, do not be discouraged in the season that we're in. Because what God has revealed to you in those times that are just you and him, he will provide the resources for you to pour out what he's revealed to you. I'm going to send the encouragement today that we not walk in fleshly reactions, that we not walk in the mentalities and thinkings of our own mind, that we not let human passion overtake us, causing our light to become dim. Amen. Moses had a covering, but his light never got dim. Oh. Moses had a covering, but his light never got dim. Moses had different circumstances, but his light never got dim. We may have to work in masks, but our light may never grow dim. We may have to hear media get liberal and liberal and liberal, and I'll use a different term, worldly and worldly and worldly and deeper and deeper into the lies and the oppressions of the enemy. We're under different circumstances. Our face may be covered up, but our light must not grow dim. I just want to pray this morning. I want to pray this morning that our lights remain bright. That our lights remain bright in the midst of this season where the enemy would love to think and tell the church, no, it's dim. There's no effectiveness. There's no way out of this, Buford. You're ineffective. Circumstances hit. Circumstances risen. I believe there's a church that wants to rise up amidst the circumstance and say, God, even though I'm in a different circumstance, my light will not grow dim. My light will not grow dim. If that's your prayer today, would you just lift up your hands to heaven? Would you just begin to pray that prayer? God, I pray that my light remain bright. I pray that you reveal yourself to me. I pray that you reveal yourself through me, God. You know how to do your job. It's not me who impacts. It's not me who brings the change. But it's you, God. Use 
me, Lord. Use me as a voice. Use me as an instrument for your glory and for your honor. I might be in a different time. I might be in a different circumstance, but my light is not growing dim. I'm still making an impact for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. I'm still making an impact in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Oh, God, we love you. We love you. If you're here this morning and you're without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. All you simply do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart as the word of God says that Jesus died and God raised him from the dead. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. You know what you'll find? You'll find he's there ready to receive you. You'll find we don't have a closed-minded Savior. You'll find we don't have a Savior that cuts anybody off, but one who says, come to all, that whosoever believeth upon him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Call upon him this morning. Call upon him this morning. If you've accepted him as your Savior, let one of us know today. Let one of us know today. We want to love you. We want to build you up in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, I pray this morning that as this week progresses, God, you would move in a great way. You would speak through us, God. You would use us to be a beacon of hope and a beacon of light in a world of darkness. We ask you, Father, that you would touch today. Father, I believe in our 1030 service, we could very well have some folks come and bring children that maybe don't know you. I pray you would use that as a time of evangelism. This morning, God, I pray as we begin to go into new heights and new territories in these different circumstances. God, I pray for our student ministries, our teen men and our kid men as we begin to conquer and overtake and we begin to win the loss. Give us wisdom, God. Give us wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love one another. Greet one another. Praise team, will you play us out of here today? Praise God. Praise God. From whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him for the wonders of His love. Praise God, praise God, on whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him for the wonders of His love. Praise God. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow.